Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah, right now, this moment that you're listening and there's no accidents you're listening to Boost for you to plug in and hear some stories from life from this great road trip we're all on. Gretchen Rosenberg and I go all the way back in the way back machine. Uh, I knew her when I was dating my husband, Doug, and lucky enough to marry him. She knew Doug before Doug knew Betsy. So she knew the past life of Doug Lane. Um, And she has had an amazing career where she has helped us buy and sell homes for multiple years and now finds herself, uh, I'm going to say, you know, the tip top of the organization, but I'll let her tell you all about that. Gretchen, we're so happy to have a little bit of your time and welcome to Boost. Hey, Betsy, thank you. It's really great to be here with you. Well, I consider me as a girl crush on you because many things. One, when I got to tour your office that one time, you have the view in Colorado that I desire. So uh, I always, even though you weren't sitting in that physical office, I was like, Gretchen's got this cool company and it's got this great office. Um, You have always been so kind to my husband, Doug, which really matters to me. And he is, he considers you one of his, very few trusted advisors on this earth. That's how much he reveres what you have to say, um, not only about real estate, but about life. And plus you're just positive energy and your ability to make things happen with a beautiful smile on your face is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things. So I would like to tell a little bit about your story and people are always curious of people that are in top positions in management, you know, where did it begin? So I want to know if you were selling, you know, plots of your parents' land uh, in your backyard when you were a kid, you were always built to be a realtor or um, whatever got you on this path. Oh, that's such a good question. I was not selling plots of land in Southern California where I grew up. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, But I ended up going to the University of Denver thinking at that time I wanted to do hotel restaurant management, which now they call hospitality management. And I thought I would come out here. I would ski for four years in Colorado and then go back to California. And uh, I met my my first husband in college. So I got married and stayed in Colorado. And that's how I ended up here. And while I was at the University of Denver, ended up changing my major, decided I didn't like math. So I didn't want to do a business um, degree, which then I later went on and got an MBA. But uh, at the time, I was intimidated by math. And so I changed my major and I was a um, international studies and public affairs major as an undergrad. Wow, I did not know that. So how did you get to Denver, Colorado for that, coming from California with USC and all the big schools in California? I probably couldn't have gotten into the California schools, um, but I wanted since I wanted to do hotel restaurant management, now called hospitality management, I applied to the schools that were big in that. So UNLV in Las Vegas, um, Washington State, I think, had, has a program in that, Cornell University and the University of Denver. And I just fell in love with Denver and DU and was accepted and decided to come. And, and also a friend of mine from high school who was one year ahead of me, he was at the University of Denver and he just loved it. So it seemed like a, a good fit. 
So what after college? So you're getting your skiing in, you're living in beautiful. I came from Indiana, the flatlands, gray winter. So every day I see the Rocky Mountains, I think, dear God, you did a beautiful job on the Rocky Mountains because I know what it's like to be in a gray, you know, very, um, um, how was winter in Indiana? <laughs> Humid, freezing cold and very gray. So I really love Colorado. So then did you go ahead and get a job in your industry of your, your undergrad degree? No, you know, back in the eighties, getting jobs in Colorado was not an easy prospect. So it took me a bit to find a job and I, I actually, I ended up in hotel. So I changed my major. And then my first job out of college was the catering manager at the embassy suites hotel, which coincidentally is where I met your husband. So I was the catering manager at the embassy suites hotel on Arapahoe road. And he was the DJ that we all referred for all the parties. Whenever we needed a DJ, we said, call Doug Lane. Oh, isn't that funny? And did you meet Gareth Heyman there too? Is that where Gareth came into the whole thing? Because I think Doug, our other friend Gareth, I think he met him back at Embassy Suites. (laughs) That's also where I met John Elway. Oh, by the way, we had the very, very first John Elway golf classic there. And they kind of trashed the hotel, but um, that was crazy job. And I did that for a year and then thought, yeah, I don't love this working thing. And I was making $17,000 a year. There you go. That's what my salary was. And I thought I can do better than that. And so I went back to school. I went back to the University of Denver. And at that point in time, was more confident in my math skills. And I went and got a business degree. I got an MBA with an area of focus in marketing. There you go. Okay. So you're married now though, right? Because you... When did I you got get married, married along while there? I, yeah, got married while I was getting my MBA. There you go. Because I think right along there you were getting married, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you had a family. And how much into this whole adventure did you have your family? Um, well, I had my son. who's now 28. I had him in 1994. And 18 months later, my husband and I split up. He left um, and turned out was in a relationship with a woman that had worked for our company because I worked at his family's business at that time. I worked at his family's uh, advertising and marketing firm. And uh, it, it all worked out fine. They're, they're still together. They're happy. They've had their own child at the time. Obviously, it was extremely traumatic for me. And um, you know, I had an 18-month-old and was a single mom. Wow. And he, uh, th- in the first year, I we kind of came to a mutual agreement that I didn't want Joe, who was 18 months old, to spend overnights at his dad's house. He didn't seem to mind that too much because he was with his new person. But I also felt really strongly, maybe a little bit of a control freak in me that a child that age really should stay in the same uh, home. And so for the first year, I had Joe 100% of the time, except for maybe, you know, a couple Saturday afternoons here and there. Um, so it was really, really tough. And I lost my job because I worked for his family's business at the time. I lost my house because we couldn't keep the house. And um, I mean, we were pretty young. We were in our early 30s and uh, I had to start completely over. And that's when I got into real estate. I think there's an intersection with Doug Lane in that story too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think there was an interesting uh there was an interesting connection there that my then my husband now his girlfriend was the person to which you were referring that was yes. sleeping with your oh husband. Oh my god. 
Oh, I totally forgot this. My goodness, Betsy. I remember the story always because Doug tells me the story that he saw you at Cherry Creek Arts Festival and you said, hey, Doug, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah. Do you know my husband is sleeping with your girlfriend, Wanda? Yeah. And he uh, went down and investigated. And that night he took orange sticky notes and he put it on all the things that she owned in his home. They'd been together like eight years or something, a long time. Yeah, I mean, they were more than boyfriend, girlfriend. They were living together. They had dogs together. Yeah, everything. They had dogs together. And he put the sticky notes on her stuff and the doorbell rang at 7 a.m. the next morning. And uh, he said, you're moving out. Yeah. yeah. So I always remember that story because that is my legendary Gretchen, how we, you know, intersect. That's and luckily, right. I got the amazing Doug Lane and you got to move on from that. Yeah, I did. I moved on and Doug and I became very close friends just for that period of time, which I think shows you that, um, you know, cross gender friendships can be super supportive. And um, we both celebrated that we each moved on in our relation in new relationships. I was thrilled when he told me that he found you, met you. You were actually someone that was on his radar, by the way. He had mentioned you and said, oh, there's this amazing woman and she's a speaker and I've met her before. And so that was that was awesome. Um, but he and I, yeah, that you're right, Betsy, I forgot about that. He and I had become friends because we were both so traumatized by what we had discovered. And uh, we, made, we made it through it. That just shows you can move beyond tough stuff. You can't. That's why I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because so many women that listen to this, you know, they make up stories. Oh, it's so easy for Gretchen. She's so beautiful. She's so smart. It's never been hard. And you were a single mom with a, a newborn um, rat fink husband that cheated on you, had to restart your entire life. And that, that, you know, that tough mutter that makes you who you are. And I know, but going through it, it's the very worst. Okay, so Joe's thriving. You're restarting your life, and you headed over to real estate. Yeah, I did. Any like, was there some real estate person you knew, or did you just think it sounded fun and little business, a lot of personal? Yeah, you know, I, my aunt at the time was in real estate. She had been an attorney and went and got her broker's license and lived in Albuquerque and uh, sold real estate and. My father was always interested in architecture. He wanted to be an architect. And my grandfather kind of forced both of his sons to go be doctors because that's what you do. And so he didn't get to be an architect, but we had architecture books around the house. Uh, there was this big Bauhaus book on our coffee table. And I, you know, I, and so I think from him, my parents collected a lot of modern art. I became very interested in design and um and just architecture. And then with my MBA, I actually knew how to amortize a loan at that point in time. And I could, and I could, and I could do finances and understand financials. And so I thought, what can I do where I can make a good living? I can support myself and I can have the freedom and flexibility to go be a room mom or go on a field trip. And yes, I may work evenings and weekends, but I'm not dropping my son off at 7:30 every morning, seven or 7:30 every morning, and not seeing him again until six o'clock every night. I might be able to actually spend Wednesdays with him or go, you know, volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of, that was my decision process when I thought, well, real estate sounds good to me. I might as if I got to start something, I'll start well, there. I don't know if you remember this about me, but I'm the daughter of a realtor. My dad was in real estate in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was the first CCIM. He was in commercial. And so we drive around on the weekends looking at zoning. 
Okay, kids, today we're going to go look at this shopping center. We got some new zoning. And I'd be like, can we go to Dairy Queen? Because the zoning data is just not that much fun. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast. Gretchen Rosenberg and I are recapping our lifetime memories, having some fun. We will be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. And we're back. All right. So there you were because you were buying and selling houses with Doug Lane. And thank you for all the beautiful homes we've had. Uh, your partner also in Kentwood, Edie Marks, sold us the home we're in right now. Wait, wait, was... I have to correct you. Yes. She listed the home. I sold you the home. Okay, good. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I knew we met Edie. So yep. we must have seen Edie and then you got, you bought it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's the buy side and the list side. So there you I go. was the buyer agent. And so I, what they would say, sold you the house and she was the listing agent. So she listed the house. There you go. Okay. Thank you for correcting me. Cause I do remember it was like New Year's Day and we were touring this crazy house that was listed too high for our prices, but the price had dropped and it wasn't relisted on the website. And it had, um, the guy was a hunter and it had those big heads on the wall and all yep. kinds of crazy things. So thank you because we've enjoyed this house for 23 years. Uh, gosh, that's crazy. 21 years, I guess. With Sarah before Turner. you got Sarah. Yeah. Well, actually it was right after. So it must be 21 years because she'll be 21 this summer. She was about six months we moved in. So thank you for that. Okay. And so tell everybody a little bit now about your career path and now um, your leadership at Kentwood. Well, so I sold real estate for oh about 11 years and wasn't easy at first. I had a lot of friends like, like you and other friends who trusted me and gave me a shot, but it takes a while to build a book of business. So for a number of months, I made no money at all. And then I really hit my stride and just loved it. I loved helping people. I loved solving problems. I loved that just the whole business of real estate was really fascinating to me. And also heartwarming. Commercial real estate is great, like what your dad did, but it doesn't have that. It didn't, um, wouldn't have emotionally fulfilled me. It's very much more black and white, cut and dry. So I just, I loved the business of real estate and I got, um, you know, quite good at it. And then about 11 years in, I went to the owners of our company and said, I think I want to manage someday. Maybe it wasn't 11 years in, it was maybe seven years in because it took another few years to actually get that position. And they said, don't leave, don't leave, don't start your own company. That would be a bad idea. Uh, and I knew that they would age out at some point. So I was just patient. And there you go. And so now today you're president. Is that I'm getting the title right? Yeah, president and CEO. That was okay. five years ago. So five years ago last month is when I transitioned from managing just the Cherry Creek office, managing broker of the Cherry Creek office into the CEO position. Yay. Well, good. Well, congratulations. I know lots of people that work with you and they just love your leadership, including Wendy Glacier, who never was a realtor and then got the bug and has just been thriving. So it's so fun to see. Again, if you're listening, flexibility in a career that you can actually make a living and it's dedication. It's really being about um, changing people's lives through fabulous homes and 
and transitions in life, happy and sad sometimes, um, so many things. Well, so I know your style is um, inclusive and communicative, and I want you to talk about as a woman leading a company, what your learning works for your style and, and kind of give people some ideas about that. I think my style is really kind of caring accountability. And I would say that you can care for your people, which I do. And I love the people I work with and the team I work with. But we also run a company and it's an organization that we're owned by Berkshire Hathaway. No matter who we were owned by, they would expect you to be running a successful company. And so accountability is also key. And what I try to do is really help them, each of them understand what their role is and measure the metrics that they are supposed to be excelling at. And then we all roll that up to what is the company doing as, as a collective, as a whole. And one thing I like to tell them, and, and I think we, we've got a lot of buy-in is when we're in a meeting, when we're in a leadership team meeting, for instance, and we're all in the room or on the Zoom or however we're doing our meeting at the moment, we might have some good discussions. We might not all agree that we should do this marketing plan or we should do roll this thing out or we need this piece of technology um, or we've got to cut the budget in, in the case of this year and what are we going to cut? And we have some robust discussions, but my rule sort of is we're all going to, uh, we're going to agree at the end what path we take forward and we're all going to walk out of the room unified and we all support whatever it is that the decision was, even if you weren't on the side of the decision. Because the last thing I want is I don't want someone going out in the hall and saying, you know, yeah. that I didn't, you know, I didn't really support Betsy's idea, but you know, that's what they're going to do. So we don't do that. That's not, that's not okay. We all say, here's what, you know, I believe, I believe in this, I believe in that. And then at the end we say, this is the decision and we're going for it. Well, and so how do you help me understand, because I know real estate has been a huge boom in Colorado for a while where there were the bidding wars and everybody's a hundred thousand over offer and that was all great. And then there's times that it's not like that. So how do you, as the leader then, you know, the volatility, I guess, is what I'm asking about is how do you, as a leader, help the um, natural volatility of real estate and these good people that, you know, they're not working any less than they worked during the boom, but now maybe it's not much of a boom or the interest rates are changing or, you know, so how do you kind of navigate through all that stuff that's so out of your control? That's a good question, Betsy, because some of it is out of your control. Mortgage rates, for instance, uh, inventory, we're, we're just, we still have a, a really low inventory, but so much of it is not out of your control. And what I see real estate agents do often is they get really caught up in their business and they forget to work on their business. So they're they're very worried about the transaction and they're in the transaction and they're running around and they're opening lock boxes and they're doing disclosures and inspections and all of that. And they're forgetting that they really have a business that also needs to be worked on. And for instance, you were telling me about Kayla, who's going to do one of your vision board sessions. That's working on your business. She's planning ahead to invite 20 or 30 people to sit around a table together, interact, have fun, and talk about their dreams and their hopes and what they want to accomplish. And that's Kayla working on her business. And so really how we help them smooth out those ups and downs and the things they can't control 
are by controlling the things that they can control. And I, and I remember from my dad's day, and that's probably where I got it. My dad didn't have a place where he couldn't make a friend. He always had good conversations and he always did everything he promised. My dad's word was golden. And so in the real estate business, especially in commercial, he worked for FC Tucker, a big company in Indiana. He worked actually with Fred Tucker of FC Tucker because he was there in the day. And I think my dad's reputation really followed him because he was known, you know, if you're working with Cliff Wearsma, you know, he's going to do a good deal. And I think that um, today in the digital world where you know, everything's so frenzied and people don't get together, that I really admire Caleb bringing people together to be human beings again. We had so much fun when we did one with Stacy and lots of your um, leadership down with Kentwood and people had charcuterie and they had a glass of wine and they were comparing, oh my gosh, on my board, I have a ski house and you have a ski house or a new puppy or, you know, it was really fun to see the human side uh, actually come together and make those bonds, which then help when you're at that meeting and you're having that discussion, you know, those um, tight bonds, I think, turn around and help. Well, also you said in your um, pre podcast interview, uh, that you care about vulnerability, uh, and courage. So I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about that, because I think again, as women, uh, there's that male model, you know, pretend like it's all great and just forge ahead and hurt everyone. And that's not how I've ever rolled. And that's not how you roll. It's such Mm -hmm. a different way. So tell me a little bit about, um, courage and vulnerability as a leader. Well, I think we all have heard of Brene Brown and read her book and, or her books now, multiples and seen her. And so that really impacted me. And I I read her book um, when I was going through a second divorce, which was a really challenging, another really challenging time. And I, I really had to dig into resilience in that case, because it was a, it was a marriage I jumped into after, after that first one, because I really, really, really wanted a family. I wanted the dream. I thought, you were supposed to be married and have a family. And so I maybe ignored some warning signs that were there. Doug probably saw them. You probably saw them. I, I know several people said they did, but in some ways it was a, it was a great relationship, but in a lot of ways it was a really tough one. And as things went on over the years, he became quite volatile and he was under a lot of stress and pressure in his own life. Things that I didn't know he were going on. And, um, and so um, the volatility got scary and I had to leave. And at that point in time, I did a lot of reading about resilience and uh, learned about vulnerability and asking friends and family for help. And I think that can translate into the workplace. Obviously, there's a thing called oversharing and you don't want to do that. Yeah, I gotcha. But there's also mentoring and um, sharing when appropriate, right? And and uh, empathy and um, getting out of our own way of creating what's supposed to be and being with what is. Uh, I have a great example today, top of mind. I was getting a facial. That's why you're thinking your skin, it looks so young and so mm-hmm. red. <laughs> I'm not turning red in this interview. It's just, I just got a facial. So I'm getting this facial and this woman says, I said, well, you know, something about, what about your mom? Because she said, my mom has been gone. I'm 50. My mom has been gone 25 years. And I said, oh, what happened to your mom? And she said, my dad killed my mom. 
Oh and there you are laying there. And I was like, whoa. And he said, yeah. And she, we had a farm and he dug a pit and put her in the field and tried to cover it up and all this terrible stuff. Tried to blame my brother. And, you know, you're thinking like, I'm having a bad day. My hair's gray. Um, my daughter's cranky. Oh, your dad killed your mom 25 years ago. And you were, you know, actively involved in that. And it really, it just reminded me again, how you never know behind the face, what the story is of any person. Right. And I just said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And she said, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And my dad died in prison. (laughs) I mean, I do think that that gives you some perspective stories. I mean, we all think we lived through some tough things and, and not to disallow or dis, you know, not to diminish your hard times or my hard times, but I mean, how brutal could that be? Yes. And it just reminds me just, you just know, don't know, walking right around you, the person that seems like the rude or whatever, who knows what's going on with them. We just have to bring compassion. And I really appreciate you sharing that story because I remember living through it with you and I didn't have premonitions about it not being good or anything, but I do remember standing with you celebrating uh, your relaunch of your fabulous life now. So what are you excited about now? So, you know, you're in this management, you're doing a fabulous job. Um, yeah. What's, what's Gretchen excited about? Well, I, you know, I'm excited that my son is launched. He's 28. He lives in Seattle. I'm not excited about that, but, <laughs> but I am because he's with a woman he loves and he loves his career. And that's what you want for your kids. If you, you miss them, but you also want them to, to thrive. And that, so that's very exciting for me. And we have a terrific relationship. So I'm excited to visit them this year sometime and go see Seattle and uh, I'm excited for our company. I think we're doing big things. We're growing and the market is definitely stabilizing right now. I would say it's normalizing and that's a good sign. And so I, I'm excited for the people that I work with. I have literally the best leadership team anyone could possibly ask for their dream, every one of them. And so that's exciting. And then I'm excited that um Next week is a seven-year anniversary of my current relationship. My partner lives in another state, in another city. So he and I travel back and forth, and we've made it work for seven years, and it's been great. So we'll keep doing that until we retire someday, but we're still young, so we'll just do the back Well, it's so good. It's just, thank you for your time and for sharing the vulnerability. I never can say that word fast, uh, of your true story. And it's been fun to know you. And again, like I said, you are loved in this family. And so here's my last Gretchen story. Today, I was just using the vase, the beautiful crystal vase that you gave us. That's like the nicest thing we own. That's so beautiful. And I was using it thinking, Gretchen gave us this in one of the house purchases or sales or something. I remember this beautiful gift. And I was like, you know, it's neat. It's like solid and gorgeous and beautiful. And it will be with us forever. And I kind of consider that like our friendship. Oh, it's Tiffany. I used to give Tiffany crystal vases and I would pick them out, especially I'd pick the design out for the person. So I picked the one that I thought that you would like, you know, oh, the it's design. Beautiful. Um, yes. That's great. And then they stopped selling those. So I, I couldn't do it anymore. So only for a couple of years. So you're, you're in one of those good bracketed years of Tiffany's. Yeah. Well, we don't buy fancy stuff. So it's like, wow, this is the coolest thing. So thank you again. Thank you for this time. So um, if someone's trying to find you or learn more about Kentwood, maybe someone's attracted to try to maybe get some training and become a realtor and it's looking for a fabulous company to work for. How do they get a hold of you? 
we're learning more about Kentwood. Yeah. yeah. Our website is kentwood.com, www.kentwood.com. And my email is just Gretchen at Kentwood.com. Perfect. Well, you have been listening to Boost Power Podcast, and it's been old home week for me because I got to interview someone who I admire so much and also that I knew intersected in this happy future we both have um, from my husband's uh, past life and current life. And she has been a friend and a trusted advisor uh, every day. Currently, my husband's been calling her again. So just when you think Doug Lane has moved on and doing something else, he's calling you back, Gretchen. Um We just appreciate all of you listening. And the purpose of Boost is for you to plug in, to just empower your dreams, hear a great story, meet a wonderful person. So please subscribe to Boost Power Podcast and share this with others that are looking for positive insights, energy, fun, and ideas. This is your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging in stories from the journey of life and business. Our music is by award-winning singer-songwriter Megan Burt, and we're produced at the Cinder Sound Studios in Colorado. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, people committed to podcasts on purpose that are designed to uplift and inspire. Please subscribe to Boost on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends to join us. Learn more, BetsyWearsma.com.